Welcome to the Hypercraft Volts and Bowls podcast. I'm joined today with uh, my friends Brian and Joel, who I generally can, I generally refer to as uh, Brian Scaler and Joel Scaler because, like Henry Ford, the car and the company are probably named after them. But why don't you properly introduce yourselves to us? So I'm Brian Bourne, uh-huh. not Brian Scaler. Not Brian Scaler. No, okay. Brian Bourne, co-founder of Scaler Performance. Okay, cool. And I am Joel Fillets. The other co-founder of Scalar. Okay, all right. And where does the name Scalar come from then? A scalar is a magnitude without direction. Oh. Speed would be an example of a scalar in math. Oh, I actually did not know that. Oh. This is I'm glad I asked that question because I didn't it, know where it came from. If you put a direction on the magnitude, then it's a vector. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, and I'm Logan Tanner, creative director at Hypercraft, and we're going to just have a quick discussion here with some of our best friends um, about uh, what they do. So, can you tell us briefly about the company scaler and about the vehicle you guys have built with us. Yeah, so maybe I'll start with the vehicle. The vehicle is the scaler SCR1. Mm-hmm. That vehicle is unique in that it is the only all electric race car that you can take at an amateur level, club level racing in the NASA Super Touring Series. So there's no other series in North America right now where you can race an all electric. Particularly, what's special about it is we're racing against gas cars. Mm-hmm. So everything else on the field is combustion. And we're all electric and we're all racing together. Okay, and why did you guys choose to do that when there are so many oh, gas options? Sorry. Would you like to take that? Why, why we chose to use that car? What, no. Why you I, chose I electric? Why we chose to build an electric car. Because so there's so many... has so much to do with how much we've time we've spent in race weekends fixing gas cars. Mm-hmm. The, the engines. Yeah, just fixing the, the engines. Yeah. The rest of the car was always fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was always the engine. Some transmission... But always the engine, and not only us, but yeah. at least there was at least two or three people every weekend that had an engine out of their car. Mm-hmm. And because we come from endurance racing, where 16 hours of straight driving on the car, somebody's got their engine out. So it's yeah, like, told. wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have all these moving parts and controlling explosions and just had one moving part and next to no maintenance with yeah. electric motor? That's kind of where the idea came from. Okay. And do you have, did, did you have any experience with EVs or electric vehicles or building an electric vehicle prior to? I've got a lot of experience one. working on hybrids from the like OEM repairs side. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about the extent of my high voltage knowledge. Okay. And, and mine's purely from a driver perspective on the electric side. And, uh, you know, let's just say I don't own an electric streetcar. And it's not because I don't like the performance aspects of electric. And it's not because I don't have the budget, it's because they're not exactly what I'd consider fun, sporty mm-hmm. cars. Yeah. And so that's what we head out to do, is build a fun, sporty mm-hmm. race car. Yeah. Take advantage of all the benefits of electric, make it really low maintenance, mm-hmm. get all the performance we wanted, uh, and without all the, what we call nannies. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all the driver assist that interferes. We wanted something that was a purest, raw, like, race car. I think that's one of the complaints that I've heard in the past is that electric cars are, you know, basically run by software. Soulless. Yes, soulless, because the computers and the, the gyroscopes and whatever things are basically making it go fast and, and lock up, you know, not lock up, but hook up with the, with the road when they're, when they're driving. So what's different about the SCR1 that, that uh, lets it be more pure and, and special? So, I mean, if you think about a lot of electric cars on the street, they, they do everything to separate you from it, that luxury feel, right? So you don't get a whole lot of steering feedback. Or if you have any steering feedback at all, it's 
simulated, right? Like force feedback wheel, like a video game. You know, there's a lot of separation to the brakes, uh, and and just the whole suspension hides away uh, all the rest. We went for a very lightweight setup. Our car's only a few hundred pounds heavier than the gas equivalent. Mm -hmm. um, our brakes are depowered, no ABS. Like they are pure race brakes with all the feedback coming through the pedal. Um, the steering rack in the car that we chose as a basis car is a rack and pinion with an electric power assist on the steering column. And uh, it's, it's, the feedback is, is very raw through the whole car. And so that I think is the big difference. Yeah, all the, all the assists and helps to make the car feel and like you're not driving, mm -hmm. to take all the fun away from it. Well, we've taken all the assists off and there's literally your foot controlling the pedal. You can have all of it or none of it. Mm -hmm. When you want, how you want. Interesting. And all that feedback coming through the wheel so that when you, you're there, um, that's what gives the car real communication and character. And so that's what we've achieved with the SCR1. So do you have... It's not brake by wire then. It's real brakes, just boosted. They're, I see. They're not even boosted. Not even boosted. No power assist. Okay. What about steering? Uh, it's a Toyota EPS, mm -hmm. so it's on the steering column, mm -hmm. and it's a very minor amount of assist to a manual rack and pinion. Perfect. I mean, that yeah. sounds like as manual as you can get, honestly. So, um, all right. And so maybe this is not a safe question, but how do you feel that your assumptions? Your, your thesis on creating an electric vehicle race car had all these benefits. Now that you've built it, how do your, have your expectations been delivered on? Or what, tell us about what you've discovered about actually building this car. So, so a couple of fun anecdotes. Obviously, we're very biased. We love driving it. <laughs> um, you know, we have a driver. Her name's Alana Carter. You know, at Hyperfest this year, it's funny, we had her driving our gas car and our electric car. So she's literally jumping between cars. Out in the the you know hyperfast GT race, then into the super touring race. It's funny she jumps back into the gas car and she's like grabs the shifter. And she's like, "What's this for?" <laughs> <laughs> right? It's we had Randy Pope's uh -huh. rather famous test driver uh -huh. in the SCR one who's helped us immensely getting it set up and get the right feel out of the car. And he's also said, you know, like he jumps back into one of those now. It feels positively archaic, mm -hmm. like. There's real benefits to just not worrying about that and really focusing on your race craft. Mm -hmm. uh, you'd think it would take away from the driving experience, but it really doesn't. No. no it, if anything, it gives more ability to the driver to focus on their skills and hone their skills because now you're not having that other thing to worry about where the power band of the engine is, what gear you're in. Now it's just, it's literally point and shoot mm -hmm. and you can really focus on feeling the car. Also, you don't have a super loud engine that hides a lot of things, creaks, groans. You can actually hear the tires start to brake traction before you feel it. I never even thought about that. But yeah. you can't hear that, yeah. but like you hear every little pebble hitting the car. You hear all these uh -huh. noises that the car makes that you never heard before. So it's a whole new dynamic, a whole yeah. new element. Yeah. That's interesting because I, I know another complaint I hear a lot of is that you know, going to an electric car, there's no, you know, oral excitement. You know, you're not hearing what, you know, the engine revving and you're not hearing the, between the shifts and stuff. But from that context, that's actually a huge benefit where you can hear the track and you can hear the adhesion on the tires and when it's about to, you know, get lost. And it, Again, it's a race car, so you don't yeah. have any insulation dampening any yeah. of those sounds. Um, and, you know, while you hear all those things, our car is still that quiet inside. Yeah. Like, straight yeah. cut gears, yeah. it, it 
I mean, it howls like yeah. a race car. No, I've heard it, and it actually sounds amazing. <laughs> it sounds very unique. It's yeah, like yeah, a jet yeah. fighter going by. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's not a manufactured sound. It's a real, you know, mm-hmm. mechanical sound that is... The know, inside of the car sounds very much like my Ferrari Challenge car, yeah. straight out gearbox. Yeah. We get it. Ryan's a cool guy. He has lots of cool cars. It's, <laughs> it's real, so frustrating. Um, but so back to the car. Well, we never really left. But tell me about the electric drive system. Obviously, Hypercraft, you know, built that with much of your guidance because you had some special needs for that car that you wanted to build. Can you talk about the center of gravity and the battery design and the placement of where things ended up going because i know you guys had a lot of influence on how that was made can you talk about that a little bit i'll talk about the battery so when we first got the car and we tore it apart this was back in april last year the biggest challenge i think was the battery mm-hmm. we pretty much knew where the motor was going to live uh, approximately but the battery was like how do you fit this massive thing in a car that was never designed to hold, barely hold four grown adults, mm-hmm. probably two grown adults, yeah. um, barely enough room in the trunk, um, keep it in a space that is safe from accidents, collisions. So inside the roll cage, low center of gravity, but also one thing I really noticed when the car was at SEMA, in the Electrified Expo, all of the other electric cars that were around it were on average like six to 10 inches taller than it because mm-hmm. all those cars adopted a skateboard design. Mm-hmm. So the whole, occupant compartment sat on top of the battery pack so it's like well we can't do that because already i'm six foot seven my helmet pretty much touches the roof so Mm -hmm. there's no room underneath the driver's seat you're already on the floor Mm -hmm. so where do we put the battery we need to fix 60 kilowatt somewhere Um, so then we began the development of 3d scanning the inside of the car where can these modules go Uh, we ended up using the center transmission tunnel a little bit up in the front where the engine bay was, but keeping it again away as far and uh, as far from the front of the car, and then putting some in the back seat. So it's shaped like a T, mm-hmm. um, and now your center console where you would sit your arm on is now that that's part of the battery. Mm-hmm. So that kept the lowest center of gravity possible, um, kept everything inside the roll cage. We avoided all the structural components of the car. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to affect any of the crumple zones of the factory chassis. Um, not, we've also added a roll cage too, but to tie into all the structural components, keep the center of gravity low, keep it in the roll cage was probably the biggest challenge that we had with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we worked very closely with the Hypercraft team and ourselves and probably made 15 different iterations in CAD. Then we made yeah. probably four physical ones. We actually have a bunch of physical battery cases that we made yeah. back at the shop. So there's just a stack of like lunch tables, we yeah. call them. <laughs> but like we would make one and you see it on CAD and it's like, oh yeah, this looks good. This looks like it'll fit perfect. Yeah. So we cut the hole in the floor, set the battery in and you're like, oh, that's not gonna work. Yeah. Like it's either like too tall or it's too wide. We had to move the seat over uh-huh. or we move some modules around and you put it in and now the gas pedal wouldn't bolt in and it's, all these little things. So again, we went through four or five of those yeah. to finally come up with the design we did. Yeah. But that was probably the biggest challenge in is the battery and choosing how we formulated the modules, yeah. center of gravity and all that protecting it. Um, so it, the battery's tied into the chassis to make it more rigid then? Yeah, yeah. The whole, yeah. the whole bottom of the battery pack is a quarter inch aluminum skid plate. Oh. So it ties from frame rail to frame rail left to right all the way from the front subframe to okay. the back subframe. Okay. So not only is it now structural to the car, uh-huh. uh, now you have a flat bottom race car, oh. perfectly flat. Oh, so now you'll see we have a really, really large diffuser in the back because uh-huh. we don't have a muffler. 
So we used that space for a diffuser and a nice splitter on the front. Professional Austin helped, helped us do those. Uh -huh. They tie that flat bottom uh, battery pack into the whole car. So now it becomes a nice That's big awesome. diffuser with a little bit of rake in it and the diffuser and the wing. And it's just, yeah. Do you have any, do you have any numbers on the rigidity? Did you improve r chassis rigidity with the battery or anything like that? I, we, di we didn't do any like formal testing. Yeah. But the car is extremely rigid. It feels uh, more rigid. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we can only compare it really to yeah. our gas car, which is the exact same chassis, and yeah. it's more rigid. Mm -hmm. So it passes the butt test as being more The rigid. butt test, okay. yeah. Yeah, you don't yeah. move around. Yeah. I mean, uh, good. the car's been on oil and shaker rig, but we didn't yeah. compare before and after. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, okay, now you, you mentioned 60 kilowatt battery. Um, tell us some other basic specs of the vehicle. Well. If you, if you want to, is it secret? No, no. I, I mean... You just whisper in my ear. <laughs> I'm just I so, so we're using the Stealth, Stealth Drive, Stealth TV motor, but even that you guys built specifically for our car because mm -hmm. uh, normally that core would be an oil-to-water cooling setup. In our car, it's actually all oil-cooled. Mm -hmm. uh, packaging for the car was very important. It keep weight down, to keep the thermals managed, to fit it. Joel was mentioning how small the car is on the inside. Everything needed to fit. Um, so it's quite a clever single-speed gearbox that was engineered for it, uh, and the motor mounts directly over the rear subframe and drives the rear yeah. wheels, just as it would have uh, in the original car as far as a rear-wheel drive configuration. But uh, all that packaging um, and the battery design, you know, I like to say the car has the exact same overall weight and corner weight, not accidentally, as a Porsche GT4. Nice. So what's the what's the weight distribution then? So that's a forty-five percent front, fifty-five percent rear weight distribution, mm -hmm. uh, and that is exactly actually opposite what the car would have come factory. Like mm -hmm. a GR eighty six is fifty-five front, mm -hmm. forty-five rear. So having the fifty-five in the rear now means that that car really breaks extremely well. And then what's what's further interesting about that is um, we can bias the front rear brake with regen. Oh. Okay. So we, rather than the knob, we do have right now, during development, still the manual kind of portioning valve that would be common in a race car. Mm -hmm. But we don't use it. It's actually wide open. And then we do all the, all the balancing with regen. Interesting. It's actually, it gives us a lot of granularity. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, of course, we get regen. So you're running, you're running manual brakes, but also regen. So yep. you're able to have the benefits of the regenerative braking without the downside of uh, we, you know, so we've got big mechanicals brake pedal um, but because we have even more weight in the rear uh -huh. uh, we can get an immense amount of braking from the rear of that car mm -hmm. normally when you brake into a corner hard mm -hmm. the car tips mm -hmm. down on, on the nose and then the back gets light and then you don't have that much traction uh, coming from those rear tires but with all the weight in the back that car stays really level going into the corners and now you have four points of contact mm -hmm. all clawing at the ground. The car really stops. Amazing. That's awesome. That's yeah. Whew. I don't know about you guys, but I am parched from the excitement. So I know for real though, like I, I'm being silly, but like I, talking to you guys, like you know racing, you know engineering, like you, and and the, you mentioned about the packaging in the car because there's limited space. You actually made it look really good. Like the interior, the way that it's all laid out when we take that car to shows or when we're with you guys and people are looking at it, it's like you look in there and you are impressed by what you see. It's not some Frankenstein, like, you know, 
form followed function and it has form it's actually really beautiful you know and Thank you. you can see all the components you can see where they live and how they work and how they interconnect and you know that 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 battery hump running through the middle that kind of ties everything together almost it's, nobody knows that that's a battery exactly. until we tell them they just think it's how the car came <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and that's what's so cool about that is it looks like it was built that way you know it came from the factory that way and it did it come, came from the scalar factory that way yeah. so yeah. well there you go yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our goal is to be able to sell this to people as a turnkey race car yeah. uh, that they can just buy, go race, plug in, go race, plug in, yeah. change tires and brakes. Yeah. Um, you know, and wouldn't it be great if we had race cars that we could just focus on those consumables? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Imagine going racing and racing yeah. and, not, and not working on the car all the time, right? That's been the funny thing, joke that we say is uh, yeah. to other racers. Yeah. Imagine going to a race weekend and actually racing. Yeah. And so how have other racers reacted to this car? Because they're obviously competing against it. What, what's been their feedback? Or Yeah, it's, it's amazing having it at the racetrack. And then you always get the naysayers. Oh, you never get that around the track. Or it's, it's going to be too heavy. Or, we're like, no, we just came back from qualifying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were like 16 out of 60 cars or whatever. Like, you know, we're getting there. Um, this isn't theoretical. Yeah. Like this, this car is out there racing. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that usually deletes the naysayers. Mm -hmm. If they're uninterested, they keep walking. Of course, there's a, you get your handful of haters, but surprised by how few they are. Yeah, you know, and you have the odd guy come by who's like, "This isn't for me, but it's really pretty cool." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like, "It's only not for you because you haven't tried driving it yet." Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's it's a. Uh, pretty neat to drive. So. I was actually really, the first time I went to SEMA show, I was really surprised. I, I expected a lot of naysayers, a lot of negativity, but I, I, I think at some point people have recognized that this is the future and they're excited about it. And yeah, maybe it's not for them, yet. not yet at least, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but they can recognize, hey, this is, this is not, this is not theoretical. This is, this yeah. is happening and this is. They can appreciate the engineering effort well. that goes into it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said, they haven't experienced it and when they do that's when minds change because it's like nothing you've ever felt before so. or, or they say like you know if they've ever been in a plaid or a lucid or one mm -hmm. of these like mind-numbing fast because uh, it doesn't seem to make sense that you can get a human body from zero to 60 miles an hour in two something seconds yeah but but uh, uh you know they think it's just straight line and our car's been engineered for the opposite yeah right yeah. um it's actually not that like it's not slow in a straight line, but it's not any faster than any of its gas equivalents. Mm -hmm. It's really good around the track. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, so we kind of hinted at the idea of you know the future. You know, it's coming. Electrification's coming. So talk to us about what your thoughts are on the electrified future. You know, obviously you know where Scalar's going, what that's going to look like um, for the race industry. What do you? Where do you see electrification and EVs going as a whole? So I think with the whole electrification thing, it's one thing that we discussed when we first started this business is the unknown unknowns. Yeah. Those are the, the things you, you can't predict, you, can't, you don't know what that's going to do to your business. And of those unknown unknowns, as we've gotten into this, we've learned so many cool things that you can do with electric mm -hmm. that you could never imagine doing with a gas car. Mm -hmm. Like just the, the inconvenience having one central power plant and you have to distribute that to all the wheels where, for example, in electric, you could have four different propulsion units not connected. You could have uh, yeah, yeah. four propulsion units that are connected with different gear ratios that apply different mechanical advantages to different axles. Mm -hmm. You can have multiple speeds on one axle versus the other. You can have 
motors in the front, motors in the back, also both a different, like... Spin them in opposite directions, it's just too big burnout. Yeah, you could. You could the fronts and the backs go the opposite way. Like, like it's just things like that. Um, you want the power turned down, say, like, so another uh, attractive feature in our car is you could use it as a teaching tool. It's very approachable from a new person. Like, the car right now is running ST2. Um, in NASA Super Touring Series, but it's probably going to land at the top of ST3, okay. um, which is decently fast. Like that, that's that's got some serious horsepower it's up against. But say you don't want to run something that fast. Say you're only familiar with like a Miata uh, um, speed. You can jump in the car, no problem. The power is very easily dialable, mm -hmm. and you can bump the power level of the vehicle up very easily based on what class you want to participate in. Mm -hmm. Say you want to use it as a teaching tool. The car is. Yeah quiet enough at lower speed that you can bring it to an autocross in town and you can run the car on city streets yeah. and it's not. And you could literally, like, again, the possibilities with electric are endless. Yeah. Like, there's just so many more things that we learn every single time that we go out and see how somebody else has done it. Like, just yesterday we were looking at the nitro cars and it's like, they were doing some really cool things I'd never even thought about. Like, this is amazing. Just yeah. as the tide rises with everyone building electric vehicles, yeah the possibilities just keep growing and growing. Yeah. So that's, I think, the biggest thing that we've learned from electric propulsion. Mm -hmm. um, and we're just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Like, it's really only taken off as far as the aftermarkets in the last few years, really. Absolutely. I agree with that. Anything to add? No, I mean, just to build on what Joel was saying, um, scale of performance, we just want to keep building like performance vehicles. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of new opportunities to build some interesting combinations of, of electric propulsion, combustion propulsion combined. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's a lot of things that we're looking at and um, you know, it's, it's very exciting times because yeah. it's like all these new possibilities. It's really amazing. Yeah, yeah, Joel, I, I, the tip of the iceberg is so true. I mean, so many people say, you know, EV's not ready yet. It's not, it's not quite there yet. It's definitely there, <laughs> but there is so much more to come. So mm -hmm. much more to come. Like you said, like, I mean, this, all these things, these possibilities are, are not theoretical it's it's just where your imagination can go because we know what the electric motor can do so we know what two can do and four can do and five you know it, there's it's just a matter of like what you can kind of dream up and then put it together you know mm -hmm. and that's what's super exciting and you know not a, a, a plug for hypercraft that's what's so cool about working with so many different customers is because we see how you know customer x puts it to use and then we see how these guys put it to use and we're like oh that's that's genius you know and so it's really interesting to create these powertrains because they're informed by the needs of the customer and it just it's crazy the things that people can think up you know these these nitro rallycross cars are doing crazy stuff and the marine industry is doing crazy stuff and you know you're taking an existing you know platform that you know how that works and you're improving on it with a completely different drive system you know and getting all these different benefits that maybe people haven't even thought of, you know? You know, what if you could race on a race day rather than just be fixing your car all the time, you know? People, I don't think people think about those kinds of benefits when they think about going electric, you know? It's not just about performance, that's a huge factor, but there's so many other, you know, parts of it that people don't even consider, so, yeah. Agreed, I, I mean, um, and it's interesting, as people are looking at the performance, like you, you can't claim to be a performance person without taking a serious look at mm -hmm. electric. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that's what's changing people's mind when they get out of some of these cars. They're just like, oh, whoa. Well, <laughs> like, <laughs> I never drove anything that fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just the instant response, the no downshifting, turbo lag, waiting for the engine to do its thing. It's like you press that throttle and it's yeah. all of it has right, right away. Like, yeah. no, and, and if you're in a street going car, 
no noise. Yeah. Like it's the wildest thing. Like they've obviously designed gearboxes and that, so it is quiet, so you can't hear it. Mm -hmm. Like just to that type of acceleration and G-force is just, awesome. it's, it's amazing, but yeah. it's just so foreign. It's such a new feeling yeah. that the first time I felt it, I was like, whoa, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's cool that, you know, a lot of people are in this for the environmental benefits, you know, all those kinds of things. It's cool that something that can, you know, possibly be good for our environment, you know, at some point also be incredibly exciting. You know what I mean? It's it doesn't have to be a a, a downgrade, you know. Yeah, to, it's, it's not an either or. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's it's kind of a plus, you know. You actually get more going electric, and it's we're just we're just barely, you know, just the tip of the mm -hmm. the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to see the Scalar SCR one and Joel and Brian, right? Mm-hmm. We'll be, we'll be there. SEMA show 2023, Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm not pausing because I couldn't remember Nevada. I just was thinking about other things coming. <laughs> I caught uh, that. That's going to be October 30... 31st to uh, November 4th? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I get to miss Halloween with my kids again. It's going to be awesome. They'll get over but it. But I would, I would not miss being with you guys for anything. So We're kind of like having kids. I know. We're I mean, actual children. It's like yeah. children raising children, though. Or yeah. Like, like yeah, it's... Lord of the Flies. Um, so SEMA show, Hypercraft will be there, Scalar will be there. Um, we're going to be right by each other in the EV zone, yep. um, and it's going to be pretty cool. So come see the car in person. Come see all of the things we talked about, the battery, uh, the beautiful layout of the drive system that they've done for the car. Um, you can see all the components, and you can ask them questions live. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you need to, to talk to them directly and purchase 700 Scalar SCR1s, you can contact them at scalarperformance.com. Duh, that's what it always is. <laughs> scalarperformance.com. And if you need to know more about us, hypercraftusa.com. Uh, if there's nothing else, any questions from the audience? You with the hair? No. Okay. Nope. No. Good. Good. Oh, just scratching your head? <laughs> yeah, okay. Good. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode with Scalar Performance. Brian and Joel, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks mm -hmm. for taking the time to shoot because I know you guys are doing all sorts of stuff. So we appreciate you telling the story, and uh, hope to talk to you again in a future episode. Awesome. Sounds cool. good. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Have a good one.